Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Commander Clash podcast, where the Commander Clash crew, me, Seth, Richard, and Krim, all gather around to discuss Commander-related topics. And today, we are going to be discussing the art of bluffing in Commander. So, pretending you have something when you don't, and pretending you don't have something when you do. And using that politically to manipulate your opponents uh, to gain some sort of benefit, some sort of edge in the game. So let's first start off uh, at the table. I want to ask around uh, the group, who do you think is the best bluffer at the table? Uh-huh. <laughs> Seth. 100%. Richard. Seth? Richard is so good at bluffing, he's bluffing right now. Yeah, he's bluffing right now. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a Richard. He's already been calling out the table. Get him. I, get him. I, I can get away with this. I'm voting Richard. I'm voting Richard. I would probably go Richard, too. Yeah. That's so sneaky. That, that's so ironic because I, I, I consider myself the worst bluffer at the table, actually. Well, right. There's, it, there's okay. different forms of bluffing, and we'll get into that uh, soon enough. But I kind of alluded to it in the in the beginning. We were talking about stuff that when you pretend you have something but you don't, and that's one sort of bluffing, which I don't think Richard is very good at doing uh, because he doesn't really utilize that much. What I think Richard is really good at doing is he's very good at downplaying his own board state. Which I think is, I would consider that a form of bluffing, where he can make sure that he is not perceived as big of a threat as he might be. He'll be, perce- he'll be perceived like he he doesn't have anything when he does, and I feel like that is like an incredible bluffing skill. That I feel like Richard is just like he- head and shoulders above other people at the table when it comes to that particular type of bluffing. And it's amazing because you can see it all on the table. Like, it drives me so insane. I'm like, I'm looking at Richard's board. That board is obvious. Like, objectively, that is a scary board full of things. And Richard mind controls the rest of the table to, like, uh, attack Krim or attack me or attack Tomer. Like, he's you are really, really good at that. Like, you'll have the scariest board by far, but everyone else will be killing each other because you just, yeah, like, do the Jedi mind trick thing on him or whatever. There, there so, are no Jedi mind tricks. I literally... <laughs> Tell the table every time, yo, that board is really good. Yeah, but then Krim why? Has why do we always fall has for it? Why, why do we always fall for it? It's, it's not bluffing because there's no hidden information, right? Like, yeah. it's, it's all so on the weird. battlefield. You guys are doing your threat assessment, right? And my board is scary, but what usually happens is someone has a scarier board, right? Because mm. my board is slow, right? My board takes a turn or two or three to kill you, or it kills only one person. But is it really bluffing if it's all on the table and then you guys decide to do whatever? Like, I have, that might be I, more politicking, but it's at least adjacent. I have an alternative theory. I feel like Richard doesn't go into grudges with people. We are a very grudge-heavy uh, dynamic group. I'll say maybe maybe me the most. Yeah, I don't know. That's true. Uh, allegedly, I would say. Richard does not does not get beef with anybody at the table. He does not hold grudges. He does not force grudges. Whereas me and Seth, like if Seth is drawing more cards than me, it's on. You know, like yeah. I I see red when that happens. Or when Krim counters too many of my things or he hits me with an oppo agent, like I'm gonna hold that against him. You mean that wait, wait, do you mean that same opposition agent that was everyone's like, yo, I have an opposition agent and you still played right into it? <laughs> I'm not gonna say sorry. It all you have to use it. You didn't have to use it. Also, it wasn't confirmed. It's not like he showed us opposition agent. You just had but, to but we all talked up. about it, and then Seth actually skipped his turn. We talked to, about the possibility to, to avoid the opposition agent, <laughs> and then you ran right into it. It's not. Like... My, my point How is, could you do this to me? <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Back is... on topic. Back on topic. Back on topic. Yeah, Bluffing. We, so I actually think Seth grudges. is the best at the table because he's mm. good at the first one. So we do Commander Clash. Uh, premieres on YouTube. So if you don't know, uh, Friday morning, 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 uh, Eastern, when Commander Cash is posted, we all sit there and watch live. And usually Tomer and I are in there. And after this season, I've realized that Seth is so sneaky. You don't realize it during the game, okay? You don't realize it during the game. But just watching it back, Seth lies all the time. He always says he has something, yet he has nothing. 
and uh, unless you call him on it, he gets away with it like most yeah. of the time. He's like the most stone faced. Like I don't trust Seth anymore. He just lies and like he's so good at it. The question is how and why. It's it's kind it's, of phenomenal to see like when Seth will have like a board wipe in his hand and it'll be like, who can deal with this? I got nothing. <laughs> And like I'm like looking at it, he's like toxic deluge in hand. He's like, you got nothing? Are you sure? Are you sure about that stuff? He untaps, he's like, Richard, I need to deal with your board this turn. He has Stone Cold nothing in his hand, by the way. Let's be friends. I, I won't touch your board, you don't touch my board. And he has like literally lands in his hand. And, oh. It's, oh, it's I also mean, Sorry. Uh, like, what are you supposed to do if you don't have if you don't have anything else going on? Like, that's your only option to try to politic your way <laughs> through it. It's more I, about how convincing you do it. Like, when I have nothing, I feel like people can suss me out pretty easily. Where I have like a bunch of lanes, and I'll be like, "Let's be friends," and I'll be like, "You got nothing, so I'm like, all right, we'll just attack and kill you there." I mean, like, you all have said that them. before that like you can't always tell when I'm trolling or not because I'm pretty good at like playing it straight and I, I feel like it's the same way like it just carries over the same sort of like just stone face like uh, seriousness and you can go a long way with bluffs like that honestly what do you think about I'm honestly curious now that we're talking about it that's what do you think about bluffs like that that might be deceptive a little bit like saying oh do i gotta deal with your board this turn when i know i obviously can't deal with your board <laughs> like is that lying is that like something you shouldn't do in a friendly game or is that just you know strategic gameplay i mean it, it's like playing among us Right, like yeah. <laughs> you're playing Among Us. It's a board game. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I view it as, yeah, go for it. Like pop off a little. I, like if you can sell me on it and make me believe it, you played Werewolf. You played all of that. You played it quite well. So, yeah. uh, like, sign me up. I'm so bad at those games. Ah, uh, um, I think, I think there's like, it's, I think bluffing would be is considered a form of deception because you're presenting something that is not, not true. But I think there's degrees of deception, and there's usually for for a lot of playgroups, there's usually like a threshold where maybe some people are not comfortable with the level of deception. Like for example, um, what I noticed is across the line for a lot of people is if you make a promise at the table and then you break that promise, uh, people will react negatively to that. But if you say if you pretend like hey, like you have a, three lands in your hand and be like like uh somebody casts a spell and you're in blue and you have two untapped blue sources and you're like hey seth are we cool when the spell is on the battlefield and then you, you get the we're cool and then we're like all right no response and you, you yield you yield control i feel like people are very very much okay with that even though that is a form of deception it's just like the level of deception is a lot more palatable to people and a lot more like good-natured whereas the highest level of deception, I think, is breaking promises in Commander, and people are not everybody's un, like not uh, not okay with it. Like some people are, are okay with broken promises, just part of the game. But I think at your average table, uh, it's a little bit across the line. I don't, I don't know that anything is across the line, really. Like just a straight up lie. Like let's say, like okay, I won't kill you next turn. And then literally you just untap and kill, kill. <laughs> right? Like not even like the board state has changed or that was like 30 <laughs> minutes ago, but you just literally straight up lied to their face. Depends. How I you think word that's, I, think I won't it's kill fine. you next turn. But if there's <laughs> right. a turn in between us. I mean, if you rules lawyer it, it gets even worse somehow. <laughs> like, oh, but yeah, the rules lawyering is worse. <laughs> you, you, you get the reputation, right? Like the minute yeah. that happens, I'm like, cool, game is over. Now your political power is like basically zero anytime you play with this person again because you know anything they say is useless right and even if they're telling the truth or whatever so i would actually uh recommend against it and i think the best example of this was jake on his last game <laughs> with our group he's just straight up lied <laughs> and then he's like i've never played with you guys again see ya peace out <laughs> right which is funny because we're friends with Jake, right? I wouldn't do that with like an actual random pickup group, right? Yeah. But, you know, if you do lie, like there's a game two and a game three, it, you're going to have consequences with that, right? So I, I don't think it's worth it in the long run to like, you know, do the bold face lie. But a little deception here or there is, you know, people get that and they'll, they'll let you get away with it. 
I try really hard to avoid outright lying when I'm bluffing. Like, it, I try to avoid saying something that's, like, directly untrue. But I'm kind of okay with, like, lies of omission, I guess, pretending that I <laughs> that I have something that I don't have or whatever. But uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if there's any cases. Hopefully there's not of me being like, oh, I have this and not having it. Or, oh, I don't have it. Like, so I try to word it in a way where it's, you know, not a direct lie and more deceptive than anything. Because I, I do feel bad about direct lies. Like, not that they're necessarily wrong in the context of a game. I'd see an argument that, like, all is fair in love and war type thing and that's just like part of the strategy of magic but especially in a format like commander that's about everyone having fun i think uh i think yeah i i really try hard to avoid directly lying and and then writing it off as a bluff as some sort of like excuse to feel better about it um okay so we we talked about best bluffers i i also wanted to say oh Oh, okay, so I wanted to say uh, we, we we kind of we kind of see the the, the evolution of Seth. Um, uh, now he he has Oscar worthy performances. <laughs> like I I still I still think about the game where I I was playing Voltron or a Voltron with Killian and uh, Seth was talking about how he has a board wipe. He can get rid of Killian. Blah 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 blah. So I load up Killian with uh, indestructibility. So he can't be destroyed. I put a totem armor on him. So even if he would get destroyed, I could just replace the totem armor. It's fine. Like I put, I I I just dropped my hand because I because I knew or I I thought I knew that Seth had a board wipe in hand because he was talking it up. He was like, you know, just give me one more turn cycle. We'll get. I'll, I'll play the board wipe. We'll be cool. Don't cast anything. We'll be cool. Turns out, Seth, this entire time, and when I was dropping it, he was bemoaning. He's like, well, now my board wipe doesn't even work. My on inversion doesn't even work, you guys. How am I supposed to deal with it? This entire time, though, he had a sacrifice effect to steal Killian, and he had a way to sacrifice it once it was on the battlefield. So he had a threatened effect, stole my Killian, and then sacrificed it. And he had it the entire time. Every time he was talking about, oh, well, how, what will my on inversion do now? And so I had to I had to edit that for a commander clash moment. I was like seething, like you, you, you monster, you monster. I, in in my defense, I think I actually did have the onto inversion too, but I you also did. I also you had did. the sacrifice effect. So yeah. I wasn't even like lying there. But you were, you were, you had it, but you were like making the biggest thing. And that was that encouraged me to drop all these defenses against killing because I was like, well, what if he has one disenchant? I can't get her. I I would get God if he has one disenchant. So I'll, have, I'll put both my protection auras on it. But like the funny thing is that at the beginning of Commander Clash, when we started playing all those years ago, I would say Seth was the worst at bluffing. Uh, like, I was like the anti-bluffer. I'd be the were. one who would constantly say like, "Oh, I think I can win this turn," or "Am I going to win this turn?" And then everyone would murder <laughs> me. Like that happened for like a few died. seasons before I figured it out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I say that every turn, <laughs> but no one believes me because they know I don't play win conditions. I, uh, and because well, you probably only have like two lands. Yeah, but. exactly. <laughs> I, I think Krim's greatest bluff ever was the Aetherize. The one time he had Aetherize and he got us with it. And then every other time he'll just have four men up because he loves draw go. Uh, ninety percent of the times he doesn't have anything, and we just respect it anyway. We're like, well, he has either rise mana up, so he shouldn't attack into his empty board state, and uh, or he he countered us one time, so now like everybody's like just chomping at the bit to make a make a a, a, a promise with Krim, like, oh Krim, if you if I won't attack you if you don't counter my next spell. And then Krim's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll, let me think about that. <laughs> you know, do the, if this were paper magic, I would tap my desk, you know, count, like and count some imaginary number. And okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> I, although I have had the thing where everybody thinks I have something where I actually have nothing. And, but the, I've, I've done the reverse, like the inverse of that. I believe it was the one game where Seth was playing the Golgari Super Friends deck. And it was the game where Seth ulted Lily on game one <laughs> and we didn't we, we I could have technically stopped it but I thought Richard had something he's like no 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 Richard you don't get me to use my resources I'll make you do it pass it ended up alting Richard actually didn't have anything that was my fault <laughs> so when you played yourself yeah I did I did if you play yourself does that count as is that bluff? a bluff you gotta be half of bluff. Yeah. Is that you call <laughs> 
I mean, you called the bluff, call. right? You, you tried right. to call my bluff, but it wasn't an actual bluff. And, <laughs> yeah. then, and then that happened. But you right? always so that... do that. You and Seth always, oh, I don't have anything. Nope, no, no, no. Grip full of answers. <laughs> I was going to say, if I, I learned bluffing from watching Richard, in all honesty. Like, if I'm a good bluffer now, it's from watching Richard and from realizing that at the end of the game, he'd act like he never had any counter spells, and then we'd find out at the end of the game that he was actually holding, like, force of will and pact of negation the entire time. And I was like, wow, like, Richard is so good at just not letting anyone know what's going on in his hand. And you don't even have to say much most of the time, but somehow, uh, somehow you manage to, uh, to just trick everyone that way. So if, if I have improved at buffing, I think it's from watching how Richard plays because I think he's really good at it. I, I would say I just don't Take bluff. I just don't say anything. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm That's terrible. I'm terrible at those bluff. games. Like, <laughs> I, I'm the first werewolf to die, the first mafia, whatever. Like, I cannot play these games for the life of me. Like, I cannot lie, right? So the best thing to do is to say nothing. <laughs> Right, my, my my most common response is I don't know, just do what you want to do, and, and I'll play, and I'll play the technical game, right? I'll play like if Seth says he has a counter spell, I'll consider it, and I might just play right into it, right? Like you know, like that might be the right play, right? Or maybe I'll respect it, right? Just just do the correct technical play, which would result in calling people on their bluffs half the time, and then half the time Seth does nothing, right? And you're like, oh. I see, Seth. I see through your <laughs> shroud there. Yeah, right? <laughs> well, I think you're leaving out a key part to the strategy, though. You are usually, like, pretty quiet, and you kind of play technically correct. But I tried, at least in the previous season, I tried to go the Richard way. Because I was having a lot of... I was having very little success uh, politicking around at the table. And so I, I tried to adopt the Richard method of being quiet, you know, playing to your outs... And allowing the rest of the table to just uh, just do its own thing. And I thought it was actually pretty successful. And I have found a lot of success with that strategy in other playgroups. Like when I have when I have uh, like my like friends over and stuff now uh, to play commanders some Fridays or whatever. It's very effective. It's a highly effective strategy that I, I highly recommend you try out in your playgroups if you're listening. However, with Richard at the table, he's very savvy to this very particular sort of strategy. And he has this annoying habit of always pointing out what I'm doing. And then he'll deflect the threats over to me. And I'm like, what, you? No, you're doing the same thing, Richard. No. And then I lose. And I get taken out. Look, so when, when like someone calls your bluff, you need to back it up. If you can't back it up then like it's meaningless right so you need to be able to back it up some percentage of time mm -hmm. to make people think twice right like you know Kim Pye doesn't have to etherize but if he does have to etherize I'm gonna lose and he's at least shown to etherize right? he showed so, it like, like one time like three years ago yeah right like for example counter spells right settle the wreckage now most of the time Krim doesn't have counter spell but Seth plays around his counter spell like he's 100% because Krim <laughs> plays more counterspells than anyone else, right? It's feasible yeah. that Krim has a counterspell, but most likely he does not, right? So, you know, but you could just play around it, right? You can just, like, if Krim has a counter, would he actually counter this? And if he counters it, is it actually that bad, right? And if not, then just play the card, right? It's it's kind of like Krim bluffs without even trying, at least with me, like because I do play around all of those things that you could possibly have because I know those are the kind of cards he likes to play. So you don't even have to like say anything, and I'm just gonna assume that you always have it. And I think that's actually probably like a weakness in my commander play. I think I'm like too overly concerned with like what you might have in your hand when it comes to counter spells. It's, it's part of my pivotal strategy in killing Krim. You just let Seth get afraid of Krim's counterspells, and he'll start attacking Krim. And then Krim's like, what the heck? I need to defend myself. He'll start attacking Seth. And then I'm just building up my board, saving my counterspells. It's, which, it's is where, which is where wow. I point out, Richard's board is getting pretty big, Seth. At any point, if you want to stop... And then we still, we still, it'll still we, be like, well, we, you attack me, like, we, you attack yeah, me, like, a few turns ago. We don't, you're using we pretty liberally there. I don't know this we we're talking about. Well, All right, so okay, I, to, I go, go ahead. I wanted, I wanted to bring up also a, a, a thing with, with Krim. We, we always say, like, we have to play around, you know, Krim's 
stuff, but also we shouldn't always play around as if he has the exact card. What if... So Krim puts opposition agent in every single one of his black decks. I feel like that is just a known thing about Krim. I think every single time I check a Commander Clash deck list, like when the video goes up and everything, if Krim is on black, there's an opposition <laughs> agent. It's like 100% guarantee. So now you... So you know that, and you know the Krim is on black in this game and he has three mana up will you do anything that searches your library do you play around that one card in the 99 i i, I don't do anything <laughs> because i trust that once it gets to your turn you're just gonna slam your uh, cultivate <laughs> and then we'll know and then we'll know for sure <laughs> well, like like if you do nothing and someone else successfully resolves a search spell like maybe tomer then you can probably play your spell, right? But if no one is doing anything, I wouldn't slam my ramp spell into opposition agent, right? I would what do you play... have no other plays? I, so it's... if you get opposition agent, is your game over? If it is, then I would not play it. But if you have other stuff to do, then yeah, maybe give Krim the opposition agent, right? Like play. What if into you know it. you'll get very salty if your Farsi gets? <laughs> definitely don't play into it, right? <laughs> it's. It's especially hard against Krim because he plays so much instant speed stuff. And that's yeah. that's the like further challenge. Three mana up or four mana up. He it won't could tap be an Eatherize. It could be a counter spell. It could be, you know, the whole breacher, the opposition agent before Usually it was banned. Like lands. So there's there's <laughs> but but then yeah, so it's probably actually just a whole bunch a whole bunch of nothingness, but yeah, it's especially tough against Krim, and I think that makes it harder because he could just be leaving up a counter spell or a removal spell, and not the opposition agent. I he never taps leave. out. That's the problem. This is never tapped out. You never feel something like, all right, I'll cast off. I'll I'll cast my search spell next turn when he doesn't have opposition mana up, but he always does. Well, he always does. You, you pull the set strategy. How do you how do you, you make him tap out? You start attacking him, you right? Like him. make sure he spends his mana to defend himself, such that you can resolve your spell, right? Yeah, that is. Or that is wait for Tomer to ram his spell. <laughs> right? Like, there's two ways. Wait for someone else to take the bait or, like, try to force it yourself, right? But it's awkward, right? Like, if you play it and then it ends your game right there, then you just, like, auto-lost the game for no reason, right? You just be patient and let someone else test the waters for an opposition agent, right? It's like playing around mm. counterbalance. Simple as that. Eventually, every blue mage will have to respond, right? And if you're, mm. if you, if you're like, even better... If you're the person right before the blue mage, like, you know, for my turn, don't do anything. Because I'm more likely <laughs> to do it on the turn right before I untap. You might, I, because it would be bad value if you if you skipped a turn on using your mana for anything. Exactly. Exactly. It would be. <laughs> like, I mean, so, because, like, ex like, usually, like Richard had mentioned, it's like, can you, do you lose the game if you cast this? And if you cast it, can I win the game from you casting it? Because... Like, you know, like, I purposely let Richard resolve Enlightened Tutor, but I held because I know Seth's deck is a black deck recently on, on one of the most recent episodes. And so, like, yeah, like, that way Seth's deck is black, and more, and like, that means there's going to be lots of tutoring, and Seth can win out of nowhere. So I held it, and, and then until Seth played a Runescar Demon. So, mm, <laughs> like, and that one spicy. is also way more versatile on Opposition Agent because I can get whatever I want, not an enchantment and an artifact. Makes sense. Okay, so we're, we were talking about like our our personal brands of bluffing, but more of a general question: uh, What how how important do you think bluffing is in Commander? Is this something? Is this a skill that you think everybody should be focusing on outside of you know just proper deck building and and uh, playing your playing your your deck optimally? Is bluffing like a a powerful skill that? everybody should be focusing on in terms of a commander format, like a multiplayer format like this one? I think so. I think to some extent, yeah. I mean, like, you could always mm -hmm. take the most optimal play, do, like, the most optimal thing, but, like, if you have a little bit of, like, you know, a silver tongue, you can probably get around a good amount of, uh, you know, you can, you can slip spells through, you can make deals, like, you don't have to spend your turn answering something, because, uh, you know... Obviously, you and the rest of the pod understand that there's a problem. Usually, there's a, hey, we all understand this is a threat. We should kill it. And and so we don't double down on anything. Uh, and so if you assume that, then maybe you can get out of some like some like tight situations with it. I don't think it's essential. Like, I think it's certainly helpful. But I wouldn't say that you 
have to be good at bluffing to be good in commander i actually think it's probably way more important in like competitive 60 card formats i think there if you're trying to like make it to a pro tour and you're really bad at bluffing uh and have tells and whatnot it's probably going to be a big deal but i think it's definitely helpful i think for me I like to do it more because I think it's it adds fun to the game, honestly. Like, I just find it enjoyable to see, like, oh, can you trick the person into it or whatever. Like, I, I think it adds, like, an interesting aspect to the game. So I don't actually think about it as far as, like, furthering my objective of winning because I don't really usually have that objective so much in Commander. But more, I just, I think it's kind of enjoyable and fun uh, and adds a, adds a lot of banter and politicking to the game. So I don't think you have to do it, but it might be fun to try if it's not something you try. Yeah, I agree with Seth. I think Magic players love to bluff for some reason. Like they, they, <laughs> they, they love like getting someone, right? Like whether it's like literally getting someone with a counter spell or getting someone with Jedi mind tricks, like they love it. <laughs> I think it accounts for like 1% of your win rate or something, right? In 60 cards and 100 cards, right? Like if you just play the correct technical play and focus on not punting and doing the right threat assessment, I think that's like 95% of your success. Right. And like, yeah, at the pro tour where everyone has the same technical level of play, then yeah, like bluffing gets you that extra edge you need to beat everyone. But for most players, like just do the right thing and it will probably work. Right. So I wouldn't spend time <laughs> bluffing, but you know, it is something fun to be doing, right? Like you might as well. But like if you it spend all problem. your time like thinking of how to bluff rather than like what's my line next turn, then maybe that's not correct, right? Well, if you like have that... nothing to do though, then your line is very simple. <laughs> right? So why not try? Like, yeah, it's like a, right? I think it's a tool that is good to just have. Um, because it's gonna be good for any like any form of magic, right? I mean, obviously that gets lost on digital, uh, but like that that like in paper magic, I think it's just a good tool to have. Oh. Oh no, you brought up digital cram. I gotta ask you this because there was huge drama about this like a week or two ago. Okay. Uh, what do you what do you think about using emotes to bluff uh, I, in digital? I know you're a big emote player. There was a there was a big <laughs> conversation in Twitter about the ethics of using the good game emote and then casting settle the wreckage. Uh, what what do you think? Is that who, is that who a would bluff? do such a thing? That's yeah, what kind of horrible person? <laughs> that, would what would a, do what that? a monster! Uh, yeah, I can't imagine doing that. You know that that is. If if you fall for that, then you fall for it. Like, look, I, I, I first off, I don't think it's it's grimy in any way. It's part of the game. I, I BM emote left and right. I say good game at the beginning of a round. So like, you know, like <laughs> the person who won Hall Breachers is Commander though. So I don't know. I mean, what's the uh, best this... your go than just having Hall Breacher as your commander? <laughs> so, um, but like, legitimately, I think emoting is fine. I think it's totally a part of the game, right? And it's a lot like getting pump faked. It's like getting, you know, you're going to be mad that, you you know, Steph broke your ankles faking one way or the other. No, that you, you're not going to be mad at Steph Curry for that, right? So if you fall for it, you fall for it. Simple as that. So just don't do it again. <laughs> it is a break your ankles, ankles moment. It's like you, you, you get bluffed one time and you're going to know for the rest of the game, for the, for the yeah, rest oh yeah. of your magic I mean, playing so, experiences. Never it, again. Settle the wreckage has given me trust issues ever since it existed. <laughs> yeah. So did, is that four white mana? Mm. <laughs> yeah. You got it, but why it, do you have four open mana? <laughs> I've, I've had it happen to me before, and it actually, now I'm even more suspicious. If someone good games me early and they have mana up, I Ooh. am like convinced that they actually have the settle the wreckage at this point. So once you should get you got, bluff like, with that? Maybe you should start bluffing with that when you don't have anything. You good game. Oh no! And people will be like, "Are they just being polite?" Oh, or they could are have they... the settle. They might have. That's, yeah. Have you gotta keep going to the next level. I would put full <laughs> control mode on right before attacks. Yeah, and then and then try to like okay. Float too white. Oh crap! <laughs> ZZ, make it look like I didn't have anything. I mean, people do that. that, right? I've done like that. They, they, you put you auto, you you hold stops to look like you have a response, even though you don't have a response. So they think, oh, the arena's stopping for them. Maybe they have a response, right? Or yeah. you here's my bluff. This is the one bluff I actually do. Okay, like I have a counter spell in hand, right? I have blue blue up. I'll just have six. Right, I know like the game is early. There is nothing that you will cast that I will counter. So I will F6 with double blue up the whole time. Windfall. And then later on turn seven or eight, right, I'll, I'll like take the F6 off, right? And I'm holding that counter spell because I'm waiting for that spell, right? But you know, if you were not paying attention, you'd be like, well, he F6 the whole game with double blue. Like he doesn't have anything. 
right? That's but, that's really smart. I I think that's actually like yeah, that's a really good play because I leave up my mana all the time if I have an instant. I I just always will leave it up even early in the game. But you're right, like it doesn't matter early in the game. I do that on F6 Save time for the recording too, right? <laughs> save time yeah. for the viewers. But yeah, if you know you're not going to use the spell, that's a free bluff, right? You don't need to talk. Yeah. You don't need to lie. You don't need to do anything. <laughs> that's like that's like an advanced level bluff too, because it will it'll mostly affect the people who are are familiar with like why are, is it stopping on on this person? Yeah, you know. Um, I I have one other one other question. Why we're on the topic of digital, and this is Commander Clash specific. Does the fact that you know your hand is being recorded, because I didn't even think of it until Richard was talking about like watching the games during the premiere and seeing some of my hands, does the fact that your hand is going to be public knowledge eventually play into your decisions about whether or not you bluff? It like I mean, if my, my hand being available like to the public and being seen will usually factor into what hands I keep. But you know, <laughs> you're shamed into playing properly. Like I'll admit that right now. But that's making oh, you a better oh, magic player, is it not? Point of view this week. Right, I'm, I'm not going to keep this one lander soul ring. Uh, <laughs> one lander soul ring. That's kind of legit. <laughs> but like, as for bluffing, no, I, I still bluff away hardcore. <laughs> I also have like I have the memory of a gold goldfish, so like I I don't remember the games we played two weeks ago when they go up on Commander Clash, and I don't remember watching the Commander Clash videos two weeks afterwards too. So like I have I have an imprint in my memory after like a billion different games that Richard can't keep getting away with it, and Seth now deserves an Oscar. Those are the things that are in my head, and also Krim always has opposition agent. Those are seared into my brain, but like any other nuances, not really. <laughs> Step three yeah. mana open pass. <laughs> I, I don't think it makes a difference because your hand will become known at some point, right? Like you will play your cards and, and you will know. But but yeah, I mean, it's too advanced for me to like think about what would happen. Like the, the thing that I'm aware of is like, oh, YouTube is going to grill me. <laughs> yeah. right? Like I have the win here somehow with these seven cards <laughs> and they have my deck list. I'm sure some come with a line. But I, I like that, right? Like I, I actually like that. Where I fully embrace the you get to learn afterwards. Yeah, right? yeah, it, it helps you improve. Yeah, I yeah. think that's true. Yeah, um, it does not help me improve. <laughs> it, help, it helps me draft. I remember I, when I, I consistently lose to the Moto interface every day. <laughs> yeah, maybe, YouTube yelling at you. This is the best way to improve. Yeah, that's that's, that's, that's why you'll never make that mistake again. Yes, then you you learn when you have hundreds of people yelling at you about yeah. doing a mistake. That's that's the but every way. day like, oh God, the hundreds of people yell at me for the decks I play, so it doesn't improve. Like, what are they yelling at me now? Oh, okay, cool, cool. All right, back back to it. Back to it. Well. Back to it. <laughs> uh, okay. Well. Okay. So. So back on. Back on the bluffing thing, though. I feel like. I feel like there's little things you can do that would be considered bluffs. That I think it could just help anybody, honestly. And they're not really hard things. Like one thing I've adopted recently. I don't know who I picked it up from. It probably was Richard. Um, but when when there's a threat on the table. And I have a I have an answer to it in my hand. I will often be like, "Does anybody have an answer for this?" Very simple, just a question. It's not a deceit. It's just a question. Um, usually, people will say if they do or do not have an answer for it, and that's like a nice, subtle way of manipulating your opponents to use their removal, and then you hold on to yours. So, like, if somebody says, if everybody says, "No, I don't have a response," or "I don't have a removal." I'll probably use my removal uh, if, if it's if it is a true threat. Um, but that's like just a little thing. Like it doesn't, it, it never really backfired against me. Um, I guess it can backfire against me if people start lying and they say they don't have an answer. Uh, but for the most part, for the most part, at least if people aren't savvy to that, that's like a little thing you can start sneaking in every once in a while. Um and and it doesn't it doesn't require a lot of acting skills you know I pull it off so obviously it's pretty it's pretty simple to do it doesn't it's not high level of deceit or anything it's just you're just posing a question to the table and see what the response is and then you have additional information to work on and it's I think that's a good way of saving some of your own cards you know like your removal spells are precious you don't want to spend it on that thing somebody else will do it 
it's all it's a whole thing i don't know i like it <laughs> yeah no I, I i think that that is one of the easiest ways to bluff in commander is just like trying to trying to get information out of your opponents and get them to use their cards instead of your cards and like you said it's really easy to do in a way that doesn't involve a whole lot of deception so i think that would be something that i would say probably everyone should do and it would improve your game but is that even like I guess that's kind of bluffing because you're giving the impression that you don't have the answer, but yeah. I always say no. <laughs> I know. Even if you do. I yeah. Know. I, yeah. Nope. <laughs> nope. nope. So, so CEDH pro tip. You do everything in priority order, right? Like someone casts a spell oh. and there's a big stack. You don't just jam out your counter spells, right? Just like at a table, like you don't just randomly jam your counter spell, right? You wait in priority order, right? Active player, second player, until you're the last one on the stack who's able to respond. And if you want to respond, you can respond, right? But you, you don't do it earlier in case someone else has to do it first, right? If Seth is going second, he has to decide whether he wants to use his removal spell or not, right? That's the advantage of being last, right? Like you get to be the final decision. Uh, so don't, like Tomer said, like you can either use your advantage by getting other people to recklessly fire off their spells, or uh, you can just wait, <laughs> wait, wait until the <laughs> absolute last moment and then, and then you do it, right? Um, okay. Well, so we talked about like different various ways you can bluff. What about, what if, uh, we kind of touched upon this before, but I wanted to expand on it a little bit. What if you just suck at bluffing? What if you're just not a good bluffer? You're always the first person voted out on Among Us or Werewolf or, or what have you. you the, other people are just walking circles in terms of the bluffing game, and you're just kind of there. What do you do? How how do you handle that? Especially if the people who are good at bluffing and good at manipulating, they're using you as as like a scapegoat, you know, as deflection. What do you do in that position? How do you how do you stay in the game? You start presenting if if you know politicking isn't gonna work and your bluffing isn't gonna work, I think it's time you start asking the questions then, forcing the answers. That's my strategy. Yes. <laughs> you ask the questions, right? You don't bluff, right? You you back up. You know, if they say they have a board wipe, then you will present them the opportunity to board wipe. And <laughs> yeah. If they don't have it, they're dead. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like you yeah. you be aggressive about it, right? So I mean, it works, right? If you if the right play is to play into removal, right? If you have removal, you're threatening with removal, then fire off the removal, right? And yep. you just play into it, and. Or, that's how I deal with it. Just just play technically correct. And like technically correct is always correct, whereas the bluff fails some percent of the time, right? <laughs> so I think you're coming out ahead if you just play the technically correct. The bluff thing. is a Hail Mary, right? It's going to it's going it, to it's a desperation thing, right? Like <laughs> but but most of the times like I, if you can't bluff and whatnot, I I just play it I build your deck like how I built my humans deck where I know everyone is just like, look, I have these humans. You're going to try to answer them. There's no timeline where you don't blow up my board, right? <laughs> so all I do is I play hundreds and hundreds of ways, like eerie interlude and like ways to get around things that would affect me and my board. Teferi's protection. I have like so many of them. So you can then, if you can't bluff, you add it in, you make up for it in deck building <laughs> and you try to just go, well... I'm going to force you to answer every board state I present to you. And if you can, I lose. And I, I think just be quiet. Like, as far as the actual gameplay, I think you're better off if you're not good at bluffing, just saying nothing. And like what I do with Krim, people might bluff for you. Like, you <laughs> not saying anything and attempting to bluff might let people project what they think you have going on or how they think you're bluffing onto you. And you might actually get advantage out of that. So... I think there there's value to not trying to bluff, especially if you're bad at yeah. it, and letting the rest of the table like do the work for for you to some extent. I think that's the best draw new Lich's mastery example, where we're we're playing drawback decks. Tomer and I are at the same table. I have Lich's mastery on the table, right? So if it gets removed, I lose the game, right? Drow new is on the table. If it gets hit with damage, Tomer sacrifices that much damage, right? So I'm like. I have Lich's Mastery. If you want to remove it, go ahead, <laughs> right? I, you know, like, see see if you can, right? That's it, right? Tober 
It's just like, oh, this big spiel about Drow Dude. He keeps talking and egging people on. So people are like interested in hitting it, right? Even That's not how it went, Richard. <laughs> effectively, it's this the is, same thing. This right? is revisionist history. I think, I think Seth and I egged it on. We're like, yo, but that it would is, be really funny to hit I'm, that. And Tomer was like, don't do that. It, it, I'm going to emoting, it right? Tomer reacts to the egging on so that it's more fun to keep pushing his buttons. Ah! Where I'm like, I don't know I'm just what you're quiet. Talking about. Maybe you kill me, maybe you don't, but it's not funny, right? So <laughs> why is, is there really, humor in this? All right, the, I'm gonna I, link. The, I'm gonna link this game in the video description. This is what this is what really happened, by the way. Drowny wasn't on the battlefield. Lich's master was on the battlefield. I wasn't egging people on to to attack me or anything. People were egging me to cast Drowny so they could kill me with Drowny and sacrifice my board. That's what was happening. And meanwhile, Richard had Lich's master on it, the, the battlefield. So, so I did have it. If you thought about it, if they had it, they would have killed me at any moment. So you were safe to play Drowdu, right? Yeah. Like you, you were like mostly what safe. Do you it's mean like safe if, to play if you thought Krim had opposition agent, but Seth resolved cultivate right before you, and you're trying to resolve cultivate, you're probably okay, right? <laughs> like you're probably okay if you just play the spell, right? Yes, but the thing was that your our mutual opponents, Seth and Krim, had creatures. <laughs> And if you ever take damage with Lich's Master, you have to sacrifice that many permanents. Yeah. Our two opponents were attacking me, the person who didn't even have Drowned on the battlefield. And I'm like, hey, if you attack Lich's Mastery person, you know how you were so excited to make me sacrifice my board state? Lich's Mastery's on the battlefield. You just attack Richard, and he'll sacrifice his board. Why aren't you doing that? Why are you attacking me? And they're like, hey, Tom, would it be a good idea for you to play uh, uh, Drowned? Why don't you play Drowned? We'll make you sacrifice a Tee. And they're like, Lich's Master right there, just attack him. You don't spend any resources, just attack him. It's ah, just this reaction when it happens to you, Tomer. It's, it's so I don't much know what's funnier so funny about this. To you. I don't know what's so funny about this at all. It, it wasn't about the it wasn't about the Dranyu. It's more it's more about just getting getting the rise out of you, Tom, right thing. Like it wasn't really about the cards. Like that's the funny part. And I think the best part is that Richard had the fight spell or something and, I, and Richard had Galta, right? Or something like that. He had like fogs or in his hand. He somebody would be fine had, to be attacked. I, I forgot which episode because no, there was an episode where you played Drawnu and I think Richard had Galta. I think yeah, that, was yeah, the, yeah. Yeah. that was the first. That was the, yeah, first, the first. That was the first right? episode of Drawnu. Oh, Drawnu has yeah. not has not done a lot of work <laughs> in the history of Commander Class. Drawnu has not has not succeeded, but he will one day. But, so, but I, so, I do think this is the case of where you shouldn't play to everyone's bluff. Like if you if you have Drawnu, right? There is some percentage. Of games, but you're just gonna die to draw new, right? You have to accept that fact and then play draw new, right? To actually play your game. And hopefully, the percentage where he kills you is less than the percentage where he wins well, you the game. My deck was built around that idea. It, it was meant to make people want to deal damage to draw new because I had a bunch of switcheroo effects where I would give you control to draw new in instant speed. So you cast a blast in or something. Instant speed, I respond by giving you a uh, Drown New with wrong turn or whatever. That was the whole point of the deck, but I just didn't get to the point where I could cast Drown New and have that mana up to wrong turn at the same time. I was behind on mana and I didn't have the right cards, but I was I was being attacked and I had like a propaganda. It didn't work. I tried to pillow for it and people were like, oh, he has a pillow for it. Get him. I can't Your pillow stand fort wasn't it. strong enough. <laughs> I can't stand this pillow for it. Makes me want to attack him more. I, All right, so I, I have can't. a question. Okay, go go ahead. <laughs> just just apropos of nothing, what if you're the worst bluffer at the table, and you're like an anti-bluffer? An what anti do you do then? <laughs> an anti-bluffer. Okay. Anti-bluffer. I think Krim said it already. You yeah. punch people in the face. Yeah. Right? You, you don't bluff. You you actually have the goods to back up the statements, yeah. right? And you yeah, test you people's aggro. statements. I was asking for a me. How do I how do I not get knocked out early? Like if you don't want to get attacked, you have a very strong blocker. Right? And there's no bluffing here, right? Like, oh, I can't get through your blocker. I won't attack you. And strong is very relative, right? Like a propaganda pretty much does it, right? Like a two one does a lot would. more than nothing, right? Like even if it's an unfavorable block, the attacker knows that two one is coming back at them, right? So they're just gonna attack the person with no creatures. So it's kind of like you don't need to outrun the bear. You just you know need to not be the slowest, right? You just yeah. need 
any kind of thing to guy. stop people from attacking you, and then they won't attack you. You won't be the easy target. Because I, I will like say, Crim and Tomer decks are notoriously bad for this, right? Where they don't have any like early onboard interaction. So when I play these decks, right, I get mercilessly beaten on. Like the Lich's deck, right? Like there's no early plays. I can't block. I can't attack to threaten anything. And I'm at the mercy of politics to stay alive. And of course I have removal, but who wants to remove like a 2-2 bear, right? Like nobody. So you just keep getting hit, right? So the easiest way is to just actually play creatures and be able to block and like dictate the flow of the game. Yeah, Control and then, decks and then are you notoriously need... hard. <laughs> and then you don't need to uh, to bluff as much. I'm always amazed how small of a incentive it takes for commander players to change who they're attacking. Like the one mana red curse, it, it blows my mind. It's like a single treasure token, but that will totally shift the attacking. So I think if you're someone who doesn't feel like you can bluff your way out of those situations, those cards go up way higher in value. And like Richard was saying, it doesn't take that much. Like a single curse on someone else that gives a benefit for attacking them uh, is, is often enough to get the job done. Like sure people could attack you, but why would they attack you if they can get a card or a treasure or whatever from attacking someone else? So, so I think there's ways you can build your deck around your weakness in bluffing and then and then you just play your cards and play them as well as you can and you should be fine because like i said i don't think you have to be a good bluffer to be good at commander yeah well i mean curse of opulence for example is one of my favorite it, it is my favorite red card in the entire format and that card has done so much work it's like even if you don't have a creature yourself you just put that on a person who doesn't have creatures as well and you're like hey uh you <laughs> could attack me but if you attack this other person, you get a you get a treasure or you get a gold or whatever. It works and like it, and ninety it works, percent of the time because yeah. magic players love their free value, so exactly. <laughs> no no one's gonna pass up the free value. And you save so much, you save so much in the process too. There was another deck that I felt was really good for like someone who's who's bad at, at politics was Cardor Doom Scourge. That's a, that's a card that's going to be popping on the screen. But basically, he's like a super goad. When he enters the battlefield, he forces all your opponent's creatures to attack. Someone that's not you. And when they die, when an attacking creature dies, uh, you drain them for one. Um, that card, I was in a group that I was pretty sure that I would just be attacked uh, constantly. So I just played Carter. And all I did was I just like blinked him every single turn. I, all my opponents wanted to attack me, but they couldn't. They literally could not. Um, I won those games. Um, and and I feel like feel like those type of commanders, Cardor uh incentive commander is like brina for example is another great one where if you attack a, a mutual enemy uh you get to draw cards um that's a great incentive for people to not attack you as well uh, so there's like a lot of little things you can be doing uh multiplayer centric cards that uh kind of focus focus attention away that you don't even use politics you just you just throw in a little incentive you don't have to say anything you just put it down um and yeah. it'll, it'll get the job done for you the last the last commander clash we recorded, which I think should be up by the time that this goes up, we had two people that ended up having Ludovix uh, as one of their partner commanders, and that's that kind of did the job, and that got people to just be like attacking other people. Something as simple as that, because if someone else loses life, then you're going to be able to draw a card, and even that's enough to like just shift the focus away from you. It really doesn't take that much. Mm -hmm. Or the set strategy, even though he's the best bluffer, play Boros. <laughs> <laughs> just, right? just you that's other thing i'll, I'll test like, it right? everyone's <laughs> got a plan until they're punched in the face right like i've i've really aggressive. i've really come around on that and it, it it does work like if you're just like swinging creature sideways and curving out like what do you care if someone's bluffing you don't even have to bluff because you, you're sending the message like on the battlefield so so one last thing that we we wanted to talk about this kind of adjacent to bluffing um what about breaking deals in 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 uh, games, would you do that in a regular play group? Would you do that in uh, in a pickup group? Is there any differences there? Is that is that considered a type of bluff where you you bluffed a promise and then you broke it? Oh, deals deals are tough. We could probably do a whole podcast on deals. Seth on one hand, deal. I feel no, I didn't break that deal. I still have not seen proof of that. I I think that deals are you got to keep your deals I, that's my thinking i know crim doesn't feel like i've always done that i still don't even remember exactly wh why but yeah so but i think that is i think that is important the thing that complicates it is when you make a deal and it's a deal that's lasting for like a turn cycle or something and things massively change on the battlefield that's where i think 
there's got to be some there's got to be some give and take because you could go from a position where you're feeling very comfortable and safe to like make a deal to a position where if you keep that deal you're going to be dead are you still supposed to keep the deal in that scenario so my feeling is yes you should keep your deals because having a reputation of not keeping your deals is gonna be worse for you in the long run, especially with a play group, than the game you might win by breaking a deal. Like the Jake, oh, I lied thing on his way out the door. <laughs> like that works if you're on the way out the door, but that doesn't work if you're gonna be playing with those same people because no one's gonna make a deal with you again. But there's gotta be a little bit of flexibility, I think, where if something crazy happens and the information has changed and the situation has changed, I think I think both parties gotta gotta be willing to be a little flexible with deals in those scenarios, or in the case where you forget, like I did with Homer. I was like, oh, I made that deal. <laughs> oh, whoops, my bad. I did I did forget a deal. That was on me. But uh, I, yeah, I do believe that you should honor your deals because of like especially if you plan on playing with a group again. So yeah. I, I don't consider it a bluff either. Like, if you were like, I'm not going to kill you this turn, and then you kill them, I don't really consider that a bluff. I just think that's basically a lie. <laughs> and uh, and you could argue that, like, bluffing is a form of deception, but I think there is a difference there. So I wouldn't even consider that, like, technically to fall under the bluffing category. So, so what if you say, like, Seth, if you attack me, I'll remove your creature. But if you attack Tomer, I won't remove your creature. And then you go ahead and remove it. Is that deception or is that a lie? That's a broken promise or a broken deal. Depends how it's worded. <sighs> how, far, <laughs> how, far deals, how far down do deals go, though? Does it include, like, every little thing? I normally think of, like, the big ones, like, oh, you won't attack me this turn or something. But <sighs> I think the important thing is to just try not to speak in definites. <laughs> Unless you're willing to hold on to the deal. Isn't and that you just as bad that to? you got rules lawyered? Because I <laughs> technically didn't say this. <laughs> yeah. I'm not technically breaking the deal. Hence, it, I'm okay. Like, isn't that just as bad? I, it, I wasn't really meaning rules lawyering as much as, like, kind of what you do, Richard, a lot of times. You're like, I, I don't know. I'm going to figure it out or something like that. Avoid committing to, to a deal if you don't think you're going to be able to. 100% sure you're going to be able to hold to it. I actually the rules think we, we, we over-politic, which is why yeah. I like my answer of, like, I like my answer of, like, I don't know, I'll, I'll just do the right play, right? <laughs> like, I feel sometimes you need yeah. to band together to do something. Like, there's a thread at the table, and you actually need to three people work together. But I feel most of the time, like, 90% of the time, if everyone does the right play, you don't need to talk. Like, you can play, you can play mute, and you can <laughs> all kind of just do the right thing, and it'll resolve itself correctly. And most of this politicking is to try to get people on the same page as you, right? Like, you know, sometimes I think Tomer is the biggest guy at the table, and then you guys may think I'm the biggest guy at the table, right? So then I need to convince you guys that Tomer is the biggest threat, right? So I think that is okay. But like anything beyond that, I think it's usually like if you all just thought about who is the biggest guy at the table and just attack that person, it probably would work out, right? It would probably yeah. work out. Right? Richard wouldn't I win as much. Just saying. I just feel like I, I feel like from my side where I feel like I'm just really subpar at the politics game. Sometimes I'm just trying to play the silent game. I try to go the richer strategy, but then if if the rest of the table kind of agrees that I'm the greatest threat and I can't politic, like I, I'm not good at politics. Like it could be that I'm not the greatest threat, and I don't think I am. Like let, let's say let's say me and Richard are both equally threatening at the table, and I say nothing, and Richard gets uh, Seth and Krim on his side of it. I'm basically dead, right? Like I have to I have to uh, one versus three. And you know, I could play my own game, I could play to my outs and everything, but it, it is basically like uh I have I have to spend all my resources to try and stay alive if I can. Um and I feel like I'm severely disadvantaged. So sometimes it does feel like um you could you could try to not politics, you could try to just play uh cautiously, but if you don't have any way to defend yourself politically from somebody who's very good at politics, it feels like you're at a major disadvantage. And that's that's always kind of like the hard part for me is I feel like my politics is really bad sometimes and it is a detriment to me if I'm trying to not politic. And I I personally don't know how to how to get through that sometimes. I I hate to suggest this, but 
maybe just try playing more aggro decks. Like maybe, yeah, maybe yeah. like uh, that's worked for me. Just like putting more pressure on the board and being able to like have a board presence has really changed how I view commander. And I feel like if I felt like I was always in that position, I would probably head even more that direction towards like trying to make my presence felt on the battlefield rather than like dirtling around and trying to like set up a combo or something, which I think is also part of the reason why people are scared of you sometimes. I think Richard uses that to his advantage. You're like, in the past, you've had like kiki combos and stuff. So people have one in the back time, of head, like, but you it happens. So it's in the back of our heads, like, oh, Tomer is the kind of player you do have just, like, other Richard has kiki comboed me, kiki comboed as many times as I have. You have played a good chunk of variants of kiki combos, though. <laughs> but I think Richard manages to use that to his advantage because it does. He, uh, if he can re bring that up, it is. A pretty convincing argument that like oh tomer like yeah maybe my board looks more scary but remember tomer he could just combo off next turn and we're all going to be dead and i i think that that actually is a pretty convincing argument so I mean, that so was the, the same with the, orvar right Cause, the cause, defense <laughs> to that is to just have the scariest board state essentially or to not like... half play your combo tomer you are guilty <laughs> of half playing your combo out too oh. you know that <laughs> Sometimes I have to hold stuff back. <laughs> yeah. I, All right. I, I think deck building should reflect yeah. your role or what you think your role is in the group. Correct. Right? Like, because we play a certain way, I play certain cards, right? Like, you know, I could play Crocodile Tribal in our group, right? Because I know our power level. I know what the perceived threats are, and I know what to do with it. But if I go into, like, a blind group, I'll get murdered, right? So I, I wouldn't bring I Crocodile know, Tribal. Husky into the blind group, right? Like, it's not powerful enough, right? And you also need the cards. Like, if you play Golos, right? Rip Golos, it's banned now. But you know you're getting 1v3, <laughs> right? So you, you need to come prepared with the 1v3 fight. What does that mean? Like, lots of wraths, right? Keeping Golos alive, having Field of the Dead to have blockers, right? Like, so if you play like, think a certain about, style... Like you need yeah. to either show that you can't combo. I'm mono green. How could I possibly combo, <laughs> right? Or combo you need to be prepared for everyone to hit you and have, like, you know, the defense, right? Like, double propaganda will stop anyone from hitting you, right? Or having, like, a huge blocker will stop anyone. And then go 1v3 uh, when you think. So, yeah, I think your deck building needs to reflect what you think your role will be in the group. Right? I, if, I definitely... if it's, like, hyper-aggressive, you need to do something about it. I definitely like sacrificed a little bit of like, like you know how efficient my deck is at going off on its combo plan just to interact a little bit more with the table. So like if you see how I build a lot of my dirtly decks, I like so if you're gonna play a dirtle deck, you're gonna play anything like that. Expect to get uh, like as Richard had mentioned the three v one, right? So and I do exactly that. So I just play nothing but sweepers, <laughs> and, and and so that's why uh, that goes in a lot. Like Richard had mentioned, the deck building, the deck building. Uh, and the archetype that you're trying to play uh, are going to go hand in hand. And then the politics kind of come with that. It's hard. And just know that also there are some decks that you won't be able to politic all that well with. Like, if I have Golos, people are probably not going to listen to me. Right? No matter what. <laughs> it's like, that's great. I'm going to still hit you. <laughs> and I'm going to blow up your Golos. What is the new Golos that we can use now that Golos has been banned? <laughs> what is the universal, like, OP commander? Corvald. But it has to be five color? Or just well, the, the beauty of gold is it goes in any deck. Well, like, color. It can help I think anything. Right? Like the what is it again, Seth? A Togatog? A Togatog for sure. It's I taken mean, off. It's taken off. Yeah, maybe, Kenrith. Maybe Kenrith. Yes. Oh, That's maybe. probably the five color default one, yeah. Kenrith is not as just not oh, as Yeah, good Kenrith doesn't pay for himself. Pretty much. Corvold is now the most popular commander. Corvold was the second most before Golos was gone, and now he's the most. Well, Corvold. Uh, well, maybe it's Corvold. But this is this is food travel, you guys. It's fine. <laughs> but, but at least, uh, yeah, at least Corvold's this is narrow. banquet tribal. <laughs> uh, I I think I, yeah, I'm gonna try more aggro. I I do say I do think the only time that I felt like I was very confident that nobody ever attacked me, even though I felt like sometimes I should have been attacked was when I played the group hug deck, oddly enough, when it was for a charity donation promise, where I played uh, my my least favorite archetype ever was group hug, 
Group hug with no no yeah. real win condition. Everybody like, loves aimless group hug. Though. group hug. That's why. Yeah. Who's, who's going to attack the one that's the giving them cards? Because I'm like yeah, king-making people and stuff. I'm just giving yeah. people free resources. But, but it doesn't... Because like the thing is, you're still giving stuff out, and it, it kind of like kind of deflects the aggro, right? Like your game plan is slowly setting up, but like you're just able to like you know. But here, have a card, Seth. Ooh, all right. <laughs> and nobody attacked me. Yeah. Everybody was so everybody was popping off, and I was just giving people lands and <laughs> card draw, and I just I was... won the game because eventually people just like I think Seth was like milling out. He had like four cards in his library or something, and I was like the last one standing. So I guess I cool. I was I was watching this documentary, and this uh, this kid had trouble like making friends. So his dad like paid people to be his friends, and then they eventually became his real friends. I think oh. that's like the the magic <laughs> equivalent, like play group I... hug, pay everyone to be your friend, and then maybe eventually they'll actually. <laughs> Actually, become your friend and not kill you. At first. the beginning of next season of Commander Clash, you just notice there's a check in the mail. Like, just like oh. check your PayPal account. <laughs> yeah, well, before you do anything, check turn Tomer smiley face. Have fun in the next Commander Clash. Oh, uh, I was meaning pay me with a uh, with free card draw and uh, and ramp, but, but <laughs> there will be no ramping because by then I'll have there will be three opposition agents printed and I'll be excited. Oh my god, there will be no ramping. Yeah. I mean, I do right. think like scheming symmetry, uh, secret rendezvous, like mm -hmm. th these kind of cards, even like my favorite coveted jewel is like underrated, right? Because you can Coveted. give people stuff for favors, <laughs> right? And you can call yeah. upon that favor and then you can shame them when they don't, you know, give up on their favor when you collect, right? So I, I think mm -hmm. those cards will actually help, right? You get an ally instantly. You draw three cards, they draw three cards, secret rendezvous. You have an ally now. Uh, you yeah. just need to make sure you're allies with the right person. <laughs> don't don't ally with the other weak person. <laughs> You'll just get mercilessly killed. Krim is lane screwed. You ally with him. Yeah. Like, I like him. <laughs> hey, make hey. sure they can defend you. I, I could have counter spells to get something uh, through. All right, maybe. But, like, what's that spell from Strixhaven? The mechanic that doubles. Like, if someone wants to copy it, then you... It's like get... a lesson or something? No, no, no. There's another no, one. Oh, the, the five band of the... Demonstrate or something like that? Yeah, or... demonstrate. Yeah, I, yeah, I think that's a cool mechanic also. Like, as I said, you can build your deck to where it's fully politic heavy. I love those cards, like Lethal Vapors. Uh, somebody can pay zero and skip their turn if they want to kill the enchantment, which is great. You and the table can figure out who wants to skip their turn. Uh, but, but yeah, like, lots of fun cards. Like Just, like, think of, like, Nullhide Ferox, how someone can pay two to remove Hexproof, right? Those effects are awesome. The removal effects where everybody kind of gets something, like, you can use that to your favor. Like Richard had mentioned, Scheming Symmetry. Hey, I'm going to tutor this. You do your thing. I'll do this. And, you know, like... Whatever, right? Like, I, I think that, like, goes with deck building if you can't politic, so. Yeah. And also, as Seth said, like, the curses, for example, that incentivize attacking, that's good. The offering cycle, I think, is also really useful, too. Like, volcanic offering, intellectual offering, all those older cards that kind of, like, benefit two people but benefit you the most. Like, those can be used to kind of kind of get the heat off your back. Like, they, they're a lot stronger than they look, I think. Um, and that's kind of a good way to get uh, if you're not if you're not in a good political uh, position, you could use those cards to kind of get in into yourself to the play group, which can be a, yeah, a useful I, strategy. Reciprocity is really really powerful. Like even subconsciously, if you give someone something, they are gonna like subconsciously feel like they owe you and probably be less likely to murder you. So I, mm. I could see that being a good strategy if you're bad at bad at bluffing, especially. For me, this was an episode <laughs> Tomer, for me. Tomer, Tomer, <laughs> yes. <laughs> How to make Tomer a better commander player. <laughs> All right. The real takeaway well, is we Richard is I, I, I think a lot of people can't bluff, right? And I think yeah. I think that's I, I, I personally think I'm really bad at bluffing, right? But I, I'm good at other aspects, right? Which makes up for that. Like if we played Werewolf or something, like terrible. You would see how terrible it is, right? It's just not <laughs> happening. Right, so you can make up for your lack of bluffing with like other means, right? Maybe deck building, maybe technical play, maybe other forms of politicking, right? Uh, so Bribes. that that's the fun part of Commander, right? You can do whatever you want, and you can build whatever decks you want, and you can play however you want. So I think, I think it's it's cool to like you know when we watch YouTube highlights, it's probably the bluff, right? It's probably <laughs> that epic bluff play. But there there are many ways to to do that without bluffing, and it's okay if you can't bluff. Um, yeah, yeah. 
I, I don't technically. I, I think I'm bad at blocking Mary because I don't have to. I let just let everyone else at the table. Do <laughs> I, I've you seen, just have Grim hold a spell stutter sprite his whole yeah. the whole game denying it. Like the whole like from turn two to like turn a, ten, a, he's denying it through his teeth. I see. Inter, that's an interface bug, dude. That's an interface bug. I, I didn't I've see that it. spell stutter sprite there. I've seen yeah. it. Grim has the biggest slow rolls of counter magic. <laughs> It's absolutely insane to see after after the game goes up. You're like, whoa, what is happening here? <laughs> you, you just play around, here? right? You just you trust Krim will do. You you predict what Krim will do with the spells that are sprite, right? And then you play your spells accordingly. Like, will he really, you know, counter a Tarmogoyf? Probably not, right? So you just play into it, right? So and then hopefully he doesn't actually counter it. If if, if there's yeah. meme value, I might. <laughs> yeah, if it's for the memes, <laughs> you better beware. <laughs> Like if it's something you could definitely cater, how like you know how to who you play with too, right? Like if you know this is a card that's gonna make it, it's gonna be funny to counter. I'll probably counter it. Always play around Seth's Manatite. You know, you know if yeah. you pay twenty mana, he's gonna snap Manatite no matter what, <laughs> just for the memes. If he's oh, in an Azorius deck, he just has Manatite. That's the only counter magic in his deck. <laughs> I don't want to counter your stuff. I just want to get you. <laughs> same, that's all. That's same all that love it. Like I don't want to win. Right? I just want to get yeah. you. That's, that's I, I, I'm happy. I think that's at the end of the day, that's what we all love, right? Yeah. The yeah. Go, like the gotcha, the the gotcha cards, and and all of that. And that's kind of also the appeal of bluffing too. Is you got to get you get them through the social manipulation too, which is very fun. Um, all right. Well, we covered bluffing in Commander. Um, the various aspects. You do it when you should and shouldn't do it. Uh, what to do if you suck at it like me. And uh, that's it, everybody. Uh, hope you enjoyed this discussion. Um, if you have any anecdotes on on uh, cool bluffs that you pulled off in Commander, let us know in the comment section below. Any other strategies that you like or if there's any cards uh, that kind of help you uh, endear people if you suck at bluffing, let us know in the comment section below as well. If you want to help out the channel, uh, be sure to like and subscribe and all that good stuff. And also, uh, if you want uh, Richard's wall, uh, you just need to buy all his playmats first, and then the wall will be next. Uh, you can go to mtggoldfishmerchstore.com. Head over there. You can buy all the playmats and uh, deck boxes, T-shirts, stuff, other things, I'm sure. Um, all that and more, all supporting the channel, helping us grow. And all that good stuff. All right, friends, that's it for our show. And until next time, see ya.